wanted to take the journal in a new direction, to publish fiction that would rattle a few cages. In that I was perhaps too successful, Noonan wrote, shortly after Button Boy appeared in print, the head of the English department held a private meeting with Noonan to verbally assail him for using True North as a showcase for juvenile literary practical jokes. Nearly fifty people canceled their subscriptions, no laughing matter for a journal with a circulation of just a thousand copies, and the alumna who provided most of True North's funding withdrew her financial support in outrage. Noonan himself was removed as editor, and Frank McDane agreed to oversee the magazine from retirement in response to the popular outcry for his return. Noonan's letter finished. I remain of the opinion that whatever its flaws, Button Boy is a remarkable, if genuinely distressing, work of fiction, and I hope you'll give it your time. I admit I would find it personally vindicating if you decided to include it in your next anthology of the year's best horror fiction. I would tell you to enjoy, but I'm not sure that's the word. Best, Harold Noonan. Eddie Carroll had just come in from outside and read Noonan's letter, standing in the mudroom. He flipped to the beginning of the story. He stood reading for almost five minutes before noticing he was uncomfortably warm. He tossed his jacket at a hook and wandered into the kitchen. He sat for a while on the stairs to the second floor, turning through the pages. Then he was stretched on the couch in his office, head on a pile of books, reading in a slant of late October light with no memory of how he had got there. He rushed through to the ending, then sat up, in the grip of a strange, bounding exuberance. He thought it was possibly the rudest, most awful thing he had ever read, and in his case, that was saying something. He had waded through the rude and awful for most of his professional life, and in those fly-blown and diseased literary swamps had discovered flowers of unspeakable beauty, of which he was sure this was one. It was cruel and perverse, and he had to have it. He turned to the beginning and started reading again. It was about a girl named Kate, an introspective seventeen-year-old at the story's beginning, who one day is pulled into a car by a giant with jaundiced eyeballs and teeth in tin braces. He ties her hands behind her back and shoves her onto the backseat floor of his station wagon, where she discovers a boy about her age, whom she at first takes for dead, and who has suffered an unspeakable disfiguration. His eyes are hidden behind a pair of round, yellow, smiley face buttons. They have been pinned right through his eyelids, which have also been stitched shut with steel wire and the eyeballs beneath. As the car begins to move, though, so does the boy. He touches her hip, and Kate bites back a startled scream. He moves his hand over her body, touching her face last. He whispers that his name is Jim, and that he's been traveling with the giant for a week, ever since the big man killed his parents. He made holes in my eyes, and he said after he did it, he saw my soul rush out. He said it made a sound like when you blow on an empty Coke bottle, real pretty. Then he put these over my eyes to keep my life trapped inside. 
As he speaks, Jim touches the smiley face buttons. He wants to see how long I can live without a soul inside me. The giant drives them both to a desolate campground in a nearby state park where he forces Kate and Jim to fondle one another sexually. When he feels that Kate is failing to kiss Jim with convincing passion, he slashes her face and removes her tongue. In the ensuing chaos, Jim, shrieking in alarm, staggering about blindly, blood everywhere, Kate is able to escape into the trees. Three hours later, she staggers out onto a highway, hysterical, drenched in blood. Her kidnapper is never apprehended. He and Jim drive out of the national park and off the edge of the world. Investigators are unable to determine a single useful fact about the two. They don't know who Jim is or where he's from, and know even less about the giant. Two weeks after her release from the hospital, a single clue turns up by U.S. mail.